a good entrance. <laughs> I'll be brief. You all know Mr. Ira Cunningham. He's been here many times now, and we are thankful to have him back today with us. Um, Ira's kind of, yes. He, he flies up from Florida just to be here with us for this day. So we, we appreciate him being up here and being, again, he's kind of a, a presbytery over us as a church, giving us guidance and helping us along the way. And we are forever, forever thankful for what he's done for us. So, Ira, thank you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. What a special a special time, a, a special day. Today we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. What's in your house? What do you already have in your home, in your life? What's already there, already present there? My mom was known for being a hard worker. Um, she, when she was in, uh, when she was in high school, 16 years old, she dropped out of school and married my dad. It's not, that wasn't the smartest thing. Not smart to drop out of school and seldom is it smart to marry a Cunningham. Uh, somebody should have told you that, maybe. Um, but they, you know, they, my dad had lived in Detroit and he was welding. And so they, you know, they moved there. And, and uh, a couple of years later, my brother was born. And then over the next 10 years, my mom kept trying to have more children. And she had five miscarriages, uh, some of them pretty far along. And, you know, and they, they had to be delivered. And eventually they moved, uh, they moved back to Tennessee where my mom was was from and so they they farmed and so my mom wanted to be outside she did not like housework and our house looked just like that uh, but she she drove tractors all day all day and there were three different times that we uh, had dairies on three different farms and she milked cows every day and there was a time in the early 70s that we were in the hog business in a big way and she was out you know out doing that and we'd work cattle and she you know was was there she was outside all day long she was known for this you know for being just a, a hard a hard worker and when the farms were were gone and and uh you know I was gone moved away and she went to work for a sod company and she mowed grass on this sod farm with a 25-foot mower and she did that from spring uh, through the fall you know when the grass was was growing and she did that until she was 84 years old she she was just she was a, a hard worker you know and and she you know left that with us and we tried to get her to not work and and she that she just wouldn't you know that wasn't happening because she did what she wanted to do thank you but she'd been through a lot you know my father passed and my brother 
passed and my mom's brother and my mom's sister passed and you know, there's a lot of things that happened in in her life and she was known and four years ago at her funeral her grandchildren and great-grandchildren this is what they talked about she was known for her working hard and for her unconditional love her unconditional love if you got in trouble you could get in trouble and do the dumbest thing that anybody could think of and the entire world would be mad at you and they would come running to their granny coming house because when you got to granny's house or and and this was us when we grew up and she did all the parenting you know on top of everything else and the cooking and and such but um they they everybody would come we would come to mama because she would she was free with her opinion and she would tell you what she thought about what you had done and then it was over like it had never happened just total unconditional love and she would set you down at the table and fix you something to eat and you would eat it and then she would go and sit on the couch with you and just hold you and cry just that mothering instinct that you know and today I want to honor that. I want to honor that 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 motherhood. And I know some of you are not biological mothers, and and you've maybe wanted to be, and you know that that had not has not happened. And I want you to know that you probably have been mothering people around you, you know, for years and years. And we appreciate that, uh, and and we love you, and and want to honor you. The Apostle Paul does not mention his parents. In all of his writings, all of his letters, he does not mention his parents. But in Romans chapter 16, as he is uh, closing the book and he's sending greetings, he sends greetings to, uh, to Rufus and, and his brother Alexander and to uh, his mother, to Rufus's mother, who was a mother to me also. Paul he she was a mother to me also now the mother of Rufus and Alexander was the wife of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross of Jesus to Calvary okay now th- nothing else is said about this you know in whole, you know in the scripture this is all we know about it but he considered her for some reason to be a mother to him she's not obviously not his biological mother you know, but she was, she had that, he looked at her that way and loved her in that way. And so Paul honored mothers and, and we want to do that also. And not just today, but all days, as many have already said today. So happy Mother's Day uh, to um, all of you. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we are in Second Kings and chapter four and verse one. Now, one of the sons of one of the, the now the wife of the sons of of one of the sons of the prophets. That is, he was a her husband was a young prophet serving under the uh, the prophet Elisha. He died, and so the, his wife cried out to Elisha. Crying out to the Lord, you know, through Elisha. And she said, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and, and you know that he feared the Lord. 
But listen to this. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Most of this is for all of us, so you apply it, you know, where you will. But number one, understand the source of, of your help. Okay, we, we have in this story a single mother who is struggling financially. She can't pay her bills. Her family has debt, right? And the husband's dead, and she has, she has debt that she cannot answer, that she cannot take care of. And the creditor is coming to take her sons in to be his bond slaves. Uh, to, I mean, and they will belong to him and, and work for him until the debt is paid off to his satisfaction, right? And so she is a single mother. She is grieving over the loss of her husband. She has, she can't pay her bills, and she's worried about what's going to happen to her children. Does that, does that sound contemporary, you know, to us? But what she did is that she understood the source of her help. She needed help, and she knew, she knew where to go, you know. And so she cries out to Elisha, you know, and she says, she says I've, I, need, I need help. I need help. And if you are a mother, you need help. If you're a father, your parent, grandparent, you need, you need help. Understand, we need to understand the source of our help. Psalm 46 in verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So God is our refuge. God is the original and only perfect safe space. Our refuge. God is our refuge. God is our hiding place, a place that we can go. And this single mother knew that she could go to God, go to the Lord, and be safe with him. And that he would be her strength, that God would be her strength. And that he would be a very present help in trouble because she presently needed, right then, that moment, she needed help. And she knew that only the Lord could help her. I know this is not new to you, but God loves your children more than you love them. God loves your grandchildren more than you love them. And I know some of your grandparents are going, but he really does, you know. Uh, he, loves our, he loves your children more than you love them. When we have trouble in our families, and I'm talking grown children or, or whatever, and our children are grown, and, you know, we have uh, several grandchildren, uh, but God loves our children and our grandchildren more than we love them. We need to go to him. Understand the source of your help. Number two, watch out for your children. Watch out for your children. This phrase is ominous to me, last part of verse 1. The creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. He, the creditor has come to take my children. Satan has been against the family since the garden. You understand that? Satan has been against the family. He's against marriage. He is against the uh, parent-child relationship. He's against the child-parent relationship. He's against sibling relationships. Satan has always attacked the family, and you know that he's doing that, you know, even still today. He despises the family. He does not want us to have that relationship with each other, certainly not the relationship with God. 
And so he will do anything he can to come into our homes and to take control of our families, to come into our home and take control of our children, our grandchildren, and if he can, to enslave them. I know that some of you are thinking, well, you're, you're being extreme. It was not extreme to her. The creditor was coming to take her children away from her and make them his slaves. And today, we've got to watch out for our children. Just watch out for your children. How, how do we do it? Well, with our prayers. Uh, with our prayers. Not only does God love your children more than you love them, He knows your children better than you know them. He knows them. God knows what your children are going through. He knows what they're struggling through. God knew what these two boys, these two sons were thinking about. Their father is gone. They don't have money. They know their mom doesn't have money for, uh, to, you know, to pay the bills. And they know um, probably that someone is coming and they're going to take them away from their home and going to take them into their home and they'll be treated however this person wants to treat them. Do you, do you see that? We need to be praying for our children. God knows our children. He knows what they're struggling with. He knows their worries. He, God knows the, the deepest fears of our children. You know how many times we, something will happen with our kids or, you know, they'll say something and we're like, I had no idea. Right? You've done that? I, I just had no idea. I had no idea they were going through that. I, you know, I had no idea they were struggling with that. God has an idea. God has an idea. Watch out for your children with your prayers. You know, we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for God's protection, you know, on our, on our children. We need to be praying for wisdom so that we can help minister to our children. I'm talking about grown children as well. And those people that are in the influence of your motherhood, of, of you, you know, having that, you know, that motherly kind of influence over the people around. Watch out for your children. We also need to pray for our children's teachers. Our children's teachers have such an influence on our children. I'm talking about the school teachers. I'm talking about the teachers down in the children's barn right now that are teaching a lot of your children. We need to be praying for these teachers. Many times it's the teachers that find out what's going on with our kids because they can find out and they know things and see things in our children that we can't, that we can't see, you know, as their, their parents or their, or their grandparents. Lift those teachers up by name to the Lord. Watch out for your children with prayer. And one way we do that is we pray for our children's teachers, whether it's school or church or, or you know, in this church family or <clears throat> whatever. The creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Watch out for your children with your prayers, but also with your diligence. Also with your diligence. We need to be aware of the threats that our children are facing. Grown children also. We need to be aware of the threats that our, that our children are facing. This mother, this widow, this single mother knew she recognized the threat. She knew that someone was coming from outside the house and coming into the house to control her children and to take them away. She understood the threat. She recognized the threat. 
you know, she was able to see that. She identified the threat, and she knew that unless she did something, unless something happened, unless God did something, she was going to lose her children. She understood that. The creditor is coming. There, there are many influencers that are outside our homes that come into our homes and influence and control and perhaps enslave our children. I'm kind of glad that a lot of the children are down there instead of in here right now. The, I, I think of social media, something that's coming from outside the home into the home and influencing and controlling our children. The creditor has come to take my children, she said. And it's not all bad, you know. I think of the games they play, you know, and influence coming into the home. I, I think of the, the videos that, you know, that they watch, you know. I, I think of that. And, and, you know, again, some of those things are good, but there's an influence coming from outside the home into the home wanting to control and influence our children, and we've got to be diligent. Watch out for your children. This widow, this single mom, was watching out for her kids. She was going to do everything she could to protect those kids, and the first thing was take it to the Lord and say, God, I can't, this is out of my control. I can't help these, but you can. God, you're going to have to intervene. God, you're going to have to do something. Right? We can't let down our, our guard. And this is not just for our kids, but for us, all of us. Influence is coming from outside the home, coming into our home, and influencing us. The only thing of that, that that I do is I'm on Instagram, and I love it, and I enjoy it, and I love watching you know, in interacting with some of you and with old friends and with family and, and such. And, I, you know, I, I love seeing that stuff. But if I'm not very careful, I'll get to watching on Instagram, I'll get to watching videos of people trying to back their boats down boat ramps <laughs> and backing their whole truck in with it. There are tens of thousands of videos about that. And they just play over and over and over on, on that. And if I'm not careful, and if I'm not, an hour is gone, and I'm convinced, yes, people are dumb. And, and that's all, you know, that's all I've, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's easy to do this. Watch out for your children and yourselves with your prayers and with your, with your diligence. And I, and I dare say that most of the people who control those influences that come into our homes, come from outside our homes, into our homes to control our children, they do not agree with you about God. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the doctor uh, in the morning, early morning appointment, and, and I was leaving and uh, went by, you know, the nurse at the, the front desk, and she said, Ira, I was headed out the door, and she said, Ira, I don't think you should be driving. And I looked at her and I said, I've already had this conversation this morning with my wife. <laughs> and I am 
pretty satisfied that I don't want to have this again. And she says, she says, it takes a village. And I said, you're, you're telling me that, that it takes a village of women conspiring against me? That that's what I need in my life? And she said, yes, Ira, that is exactly what you need in your life. I was maybe a little busy that day. Maybe. Uh, but our children, again, maybe I'm glad they're down there. Our children need a village conspiring against them. That's what they think. Conspiring against them or for them. You know, it takes the, the teachers. It takes your church family. It takes grandparents. You know, it takes all of us working together to watch out for the kids and try to keep them on a path until they can reach a point you know, where they can make good decisions for themselves because there's a lot of things that we have seen in our experience that they have not yet seen, that they do not understand. Watch out for your children. You know, Proverbs tells us to not withhold discipline from a child, whatever discipline that you choose, because they shall not die. If you take that screen away from them, they will make you think they're dying. They will think they're dying. You may think they're dying. They shall not die. They shall not die. There we go. Amen. Uh, number three. Think about what you already have. Think about what you already have in your house. Okay, so <clears throat> she, is, she knows the creditors are coming. Right, and, and they're, the creditor is going to take her children. And so she says this to Elisha. And in verse 2, Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Uh, Jesus started a lot of conversations with people this way, just getting them to think about what is it exactly that I think that I need. What shall I do for you? He, he said, Tell me, what have you in your what do you have in your house what do you already have in your house and she said your servant has nothing i don't have anything in the house i don't have anything he said tell me something you know he's meaning of value tell me something that you have in your house and she says i don't have anything oh but a jar of oil i do have a jar of oil and Elisha's like, God can use that. God can use that. That's enough. God can use that. And so the question for us, for all of us, for moms, for all of us, is what do you already have? What is something you already have in your house, already have in your life? You already have it. Do you believe, do you believe that God can take what you already have and do something great with it. It takes faith to believe that. I mean, do you really believe that God can do that? Do you believe that God can take your jar of oil, however meager that is, and however, you know, you think you have, and less you think you have right now in your house, or whatever, in your life, you know, do you believe that God can take that and do something good with it? Think about what you already have we we need to stop 
thinking about what else is out there that we have missed. We need to stop saying, I would be happy if I just had another house. I would be happy if I just had another car. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others also. I would be happy if I had another husband, you know? And, but ladies, let me tell you something. Another, another guy, and you may have this visual in your mind or you may have someone in mind, you know, of, you know, and he's a jerk too. <laughs> and we, and we men, we think, well, if I just had another wife, then I'd be happy. If I just had, you know, if I had another chance, if I'd, if I'd had a, you know, if I'd taken that other job, if, you know, if I'd done, you know, whatever. Men, she, she'd figure you out in about a week. Think about what you already have, what you already have. Uh, sometimes we think, well, if I, if I just had... If I just had better kids, I'd be happy. Just kids that would obey, you know, the kids that wouldn't, you know, just, if I just had different kids. Most of the time, we don't get to pick our kids, and our kids don't get to pick, pick us, so we're stuck. It's just the way it is. We need to take it to God and say, God, this is my jar of oil. You see this. God, can you take this and do something with this? And by the way, husbands and children, help your mother, help your wife, honor her all the time, honor her, serve her, appreciate her, help her to know that she is appreciated by you and loved by you, husbands, fathers, children. Let her know that. Let her know that. My, my mom so spoiled my dad that they would be sitting, they're both voracious readers, and they would be sitting in the living room, say, reading or watching TV or whatever, and my dad would have a, a glass of iced tea. Some of you do this, probably. And he would run out of tea and he would rattle that glass. <laughs> and my mom, after working 12 hours in the field or whatever, would hop up and go get him some tea. But she trained him. My, my, mom, my dad's mom died when he was three years old, and his dad didn't remarry. And so he didn't have a woman's influence in his life until he was 19 and he married my mom. She trained him, you know. But it's 19, not 1946 anymore, guys. And you should be afraid to rattle that. <laughs> and if you rattle that ice for her to jump up and get you something, you, you better be thinking about ducking or running, or something, you know? I don't drink iced tea to this day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid, and, I, and in, in Toby's defense, she 
serves and honors, and, and she's great. She's great, but I'm not red on his eyes. <laughs> Think about what you already have. What do you have in your house? She said, I don't have anything. I have nothing in my house. There's nothing there except a jar of oil. And God can use that. God can use that. Look, if your mother's alive, call her. Do that. Call her. You need to honor her. You need to honor her. I would call my mom, and if, if I had a problem, I would call my mom. And I wouldn't, most of the time, I wouldn't tell her my problem. Just talking to her made it better. You understand what I'm talking about? You understand that? Just talking to her made it, made it better. Think about what you already have. Don't let your unlived life steal from your real one. Don't let your unlived life steal from your real one. It'll make you unhappy. Invest in what you already have. Pour from the jar you have. And I know things happen in families and life. And I certainly understand that. Think about what you already have. Wow. So I have a jar of oil, verse 3. And then, so Elisha says, go out, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and a bunch of them. And these were probably clay clay pots, and maybe some of them as large as what we would call a, a, you know, a, a, a crock or something. And so go borrow all of these empty vessels, and then go into your house and, and shut the door behind yourself and have your sons with you, and then take your jar of oil and pour that jar of oil, pour from that jar of oil into all those vessels. Number four, faith leads to action. Faith leads to action. She had to do something. Uh, Elisha didn't say, well, you know, we're just going to take care of your debts. We're just going to take care of the problem. You're not going to have a problem anymore. We're just going to, you know, this is just going to be. No, she had to do something. She had to do something. And sometimes we say, well, God, I just, just come into my, I'm just going to sit back and trust you. You come into my family and change this dynamic. You just come in and change this. Sometimes we have to do something by faith. We have to do the work. And so this woman, she goes and she's knocking on her neighbor's door. Uh, do, you have any, do you have any empty containers I could borrow? And that poor neighbor lady, she's thinking, honey, an empty, I know your situation. An empty container is not going to help you, baby. <laughs> empty container, you don't need an empty container, and I've helped you all I can already. You know? And then she goes to the next neighbor and she borrows all she can. She goes to the next neighbor and borrows all that she, all that she can. Faith leads to action. It was absolutely crazy, impossible what Elisha told her what was going to happen. You have a small jar of oil and you have these containers and you pour from that little jar of oil and it just keeps pouring. Just keeps pouring. It is absolutely crazy, impossible, can't happen unless God does it. And that's where we are. With our jar of oil in our homes, God can do it. God can, God can do it. So this is what happened. So they went in, verse 5, she went in and got the vessels and 
and she shut the door behind herself and her sons. Elisha made sure that her sons were there. And as she poured, they brought vessels to her. When the vessels were full, you know, they would move it and bring another one and then bring another one and then bring another one and then bring another one. And, and when the vessels were full, she said to her son in verse 6, she said, bring me another vessel. And he said, there is not another. And the oil stopped flowing. God had given them a complete blessing. That's all they needed. God doesn't short us. God doesn't cut us. He gives us the fullness of blessing. And then she went and told the man of God, she went and told Elisha, she said, I poured from that jar of oil, and now I've got all these gallons and gallons of oil. And Elisha said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons live on it. Wow. Faith leads to action. Those, Elisha made sure those boys were in there to see that. How important is it that our kids see us trusting God? How important is it that our kids see us trusting God and putting that faith into action and following through? How important is, how important is that? How important is it that our, our grown children, our grown children see us trusting God? How important is it that our children see us, see God working in our lives? How important is it that our grown children see God working in our lives? We need to let our children know, let our families know what God is doing in our lives because he's always doing something good. The sons helped her. They saw it. It was a miracle. I wonder what influence that had on those boys. You see, those boys were going to go into slavery and God did something, and now they were free. That's what happens in salvation. We were in slavery. God did something. Jesus died on the cross, offers us salvation, and we are set free. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior... You need to allow God to fill your jar, fill your jar with blessing, fill your jar, jar with the oil of, of uh, joy and peace. Fill that jar with blessing. And all of us need to say, all of us need to say today, God, take my jar of oil and do something with it. I need a miracle. I need for you to take my jar of oil and do something with it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you that you care about our families. And I would ask today a special blessing on our families, a special blessing on uh, our mothers and those mother figures in, in our lives. Lord, help us to Help us to appreciate and see what we have. Lord, for those that are here today who do not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. That, that today would be the day that they would be able to say, Lord, I, I need you. Come into my life. Fill up my, joy, my jar with your joy and blessing. I need it. 
you've got me covered. Father, thank you for being with us, moving on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand, please. Some of our men are going to be standing at the front as we sing, and if you need to come to the altar, they don't have to pray with you, but they're willing to do that if you need to do that. However God is leading, you respond to him.